talking just husband and wife. Now, as we deal with the idea of forgiveness and we talk about undressing unmet expectations. Watch this. Now, our keynote scripture says, And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Everybody say unashamed. Now, let me read to you Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. And even 14. Watch this. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Everybody say forgive. As the Lord has forgiven you. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let's pray. Father, today, thank you for this word. God, we've come here this morning to leave different than we came. God, I pray that our hearts and lives are open to the reading of your word. Our ears ready to hear it and receive it. Let it be seed in our life to produce fruit. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Now, I'm going to make this statement, and I want you to be prepared because this is how we're going to build it out of it, right? I've got, I've got a little bit here of time, and, and I, want, I want you to grab a hold of this, okay? The greatest factor that holds people back from forgiveness is this nagging disappointment of how life has turned out so far. And there's not a person in this room this morning who can't for some reason or some uh, ability uh, sit and say, yes, I have been disappointed. I've been disappointed in this area or that area. It didn't turn out the way I wanted it or, or not what I expected. I had some expectations. And, and because of, of the things that happened to me, or because of maybe some decisions that I've made, I'm incredibly disappointed in how life has turned out. And I feel that. I feel that so powerfully when husbands and wives come to my office for crisis marriage counseling. I, I feel the overwhelming disappointment of where they are. That's a reality. In over 20 years of doing crisis marriage counseling, that's a reality. It never goes away. They come in first and foremost and there's this overwhelming... I mean, it is, you can cut it, it's so thick. Disappointment. Truth of the matter is, every marriage starts out with the idea that their dreams are going to come true. There's not a couple that stands on stage in a church during their ceremony and says, this is going to be a train wreck. No, they're hopeful. And rightly so. They're excited about their future. We, we paint a picture of marriage filled with success and happiness. Somebody say amen. And, and it's kind of thing, it kind of reminds me of a gingerbread house. You know, you, you get the box and you look at the beauty of it. And you think, I can do that. I can do that. That's what it's going to look like. All I have to do is open the box. All I have to do is follow the instructions. 
hello somebody. beautiful i mean who would want to display that who who would i mean after you get it all put together who even wants to eat it it's so beautiful it's so put together but here's the reality adulthood rarely measures up to the idolized dreams of childhood and so in my house every gingerbread house has turned into this <laughs> a fight I mean it's like the UFC there's blood everywhere even this week as I was trying to get a gingerbread house a physical box of a gingerbread house my wife said oh, I can't find one anywhere I've been to all the stores no one has I said I'll just put it on Facebook someone has one no one had one and, 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 and it was just like I'm sure someone's got something tucked away in a drawer somewhere I can just get one no 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 I can't do that so my wife starts up she says well let's just make it out of graham crackers I was like no it has to be a gingerbread house she said no let's just do it out of this I'm like you don't understand it has to be a gingerbread house she's like I don't understand why you're so adamant about it why does that have to be it's gotta be a gingerbread house you did not explain why it turned into the UFC and so my wife says, fine. So much so, she went into her closet and she brings out a shirt. Stand up. Come up here and stand up, sweetheart. Come, come up here. Stand up, sweetheart. And, and, and she brings out a shirt and she just says to me, fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. If you were here last week and heard communication, you'll get it. If not, go back and listen to it. That's the four-letter word. Here's the reality. Adulthood rarely measures up to the dreams of childhood. Listen, as a child, I wanted to be an astronaut. Let me just, let me just bless you this morning. There's a person in this room who wants Pastor Don to be an astronaut. Everything would blow up. <laughs> But see, instead of dwelling on my childhood failures, the, 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 all those things, instead of, of, of dwelling on the, I didn't accomplish it, you know what I'm doing? I'm learning, I'm learning to look at the picture that God is painting. It may not look like what it was in my head, but in the light of eternity, the picture that God is painting is so much more beautiful. That includes marriage. Listen, have you ever bought a gingerbread house? Come on, church. You will agree with me that it takes all the Jesus in you. It's so frustrating. Because rarely is there a piece in the box that's not broken. And I get so mad, right? Like, I just, and then, then when you finally get it together, it, it, it never looks like the picture that's on the box. Huh? Come on. 
It never looks like, think about that. It never looks like, look, it, so much of life's frustration comes from unmet expectations. Say amen to me. Come on, married people. Come on, married people. Come on, you married, ladies, you married this guy and he was Fabio and everything was in slow motion running down the beach. You know it. And come on, guys, you married this woman and she was the most beautiful thing you'd ever seen on the planet. And years later, you're scared to go to that romantic beach because you know you're going to drown. <laughs> Come on. See, this is what I'm talking about. Everybody knows there's an experience. Right? Like, all of a sudden, years down the road, guys are encouraging more makeup than less. I, oh, come on. All the guys in the room are silent because you know I ain't going home and living with that preacher. That is you. We have this picture in our head of how something should be. And in the end, the result doesn't look like that. And we are frustrated. But listen to this. Listen to me. Listen to me. Imagine what could happen if we let God create a masterpiece with the broken pieces. We want to quit on marriage because it doesn't look like the box. Don't miss out on the beauty of what God is doing because of the rigidity of your expectations. Here's a truth. Grab it. Here's a truth. Watch this. When our marriages don't look like the picture-perfect image we imagine, sadness and, and self-defeat and unforgiveness, those things are heavy things to deal with. And maybe that's you today. Maybe in this place, this is you. Your marriage doesn't look like the picture on the box. Well, let me bless you this morning. Let me just give you a little rest and relief. Let, let Pastor Don help you out this morning. If your marriage doesn't look like the picture on the box, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. Right now, maybe you're, 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 you're at this place and you, you feel like your marriage is so broken that even God can't fix it. But what if I told you God has a plan for your broken pieces? There's so many in here this morning that could testify of what God did with their broken pieces. That they were ready to throw away. Because they felt like it was broken. And now it can't be you. Come on somebody. There are so many of us. Who haven't pitched it. Because it doesn't look like the box. You got to start to look at your marriage. Through the lens of God's love. God loves you and your spouse. Right where you are. Yes, he does. He loves you right there. And his love for you is limitless. His plan for your marriage is good. And he's not scared of your broken pieces. As a matter of fact, he wants to create something beautiful with what you think is broken. But if you allow unrealistic views of marriage to take root in you, you are going to live as a husband and a wife full of bitterness and unforgiveness and it will dominate your heart toward each other. God, 
God is a blessing hidden in what you think are broken pieces. As much as we talk about confession and forgiveness in church, we often fail to apply those same two things in the context of marriage. It's hard. I, come on, I know it. Marriage is work. Because you sit here this morning and you say to yourself, if I forgive them for what they did, they're going to get away with it. If I forgive my wife for what she did, she's going to get away. If I forgive my husband for what he did, he's going to get away with it. And that's not... Oh, say it louder. That's not... Let me tell you something. There's one thing you don't want with God. It's fairness. What you want from God is mercy. The Bible never says God's fair. It says he's just. There's a big difference. That's not at all it. See, forgiveness means you're willing to move forward and pursue healing instead of retaliation. I believe, my wife and I firmly believe, not because we read it in a book, not because uh, uh, it's, it sounds very good and it's something you expect me to say as the pastor. We believe it because we experienced it. That forgiveness is the sacred glue that holds marriage together. And wounds are powerful. And they're so powerful and difficult for a couple of different reasons. Maybe a wounded spouse, an offended spouse, maybe, they, maybe, maybe someone is refusing to own what they did. That's difficult. If, if you're the wounded spouse, and the spouse who did the wounding is refusing to own what they did... I understand how that can create a wedge between you. And, and it makes the wounded spouse feel disrespected and unloved and unimportant. And you say to me, Pastor Don, what can I do? Well, I encourage you to appeal to the heart and not to fairness. Maybe they don't even know what they did is wrong. So you need to find a way to explain how behavior makes you feel. Now watch this. Remember this. Anytime we hinder the trust of our spouse, whether we do it on purpose or not, we must be a part of the solution to fixing that. Doesn't matter. If I, if I wound Lisa and I'm not willing to be a part of healing that wound, she's going to stay wounded. Whether I did it on purpose or not. Hello, somebody. That's unity. That's moving to each other instead of letting a wedge come between us. Remember this. Remember, if your spouse is trying to make a wrong right, you can't hold resentment and unforgiveness against them. If I wound Lisa and then I come to make that right and all she wants to do is use that against me, I can never make amends. 
So forgiveness is about two people moving towards each other, not one person moving. Come on, church. I hear this all the time. Well, I'll change if she changes. Or I'll change if he changes. Let me help you out. Ain't nobody changing. Somebody got to go first. Remembering those two things will allow you to overcome anything. And I could end the sermon right there, but I'm not going to because I got a little more time. So what if my spouse apologizes, but there's no behavior change? Legit question. I say it's time for tough love. I say it's time for hard conversations. First, you got to be loving. Nothing excuses a lack of love. Two wrongs don't make a right. You may be wounded, but that doesn't give you an excuse to be a wounder. Love covers a multitude of sin. Love moves me beyond my own strength and ability. Love moves me into healing. Come on, church. Second, mentors and counselors have to get involved for accountability. That's important. And sometimes, sometimes a spouse who won't change is caught in a stronghold of sin that they themselves can't get out of. And that's a very real fact. Sometimes the behavior is difficult to change because there's a stronghold of sin and that stronghold has to be broken. And the only way you break strongholds is with a spiritual attack. That's the truth. And if you're recognizing that there is a stronghold of sin, instead of condemning each other over it, move together to break that stronghold. When I confessed all those years ago my addiction to pornography, man, my wife came to me and she said, number one, that's not allowed in our marriage. Number two, you're going to put a plan together and you're going to fix that. You're going to figure out how to get And number three, you're going to let me know what my role is in helping you do that. She said, together, we're going to break this stronghold. Was she offended and wounded? Yes. Did she have a right to be? Yes. But nothing excuses a lack of love. And so, when behavior is struggling to change, we recognize that as a stronghold of sin, maybe even demonic activity, that needs to be broken. And I'm going to tell you what, the epidemic of divorce in this country is demonic. It, there is a demonic point and push behind it. If, the, if the, the devil knows that, listen, if I can destroy marriages, I can destroy strong churches. And if I can destroy strong churches, I'm going to affect the kingdom of God. Listen, he knows he's already lost, but he wants to take us all down with him. Your marriage is a spiritual thing from the beginning. And so you got to recognize that it is under spiritual assault. Even the most perfect marriages, if there is one, is always under assault from the demonic. Addictions, inappropriate relationships, gambling, secret lifestyles. These are all things that wreck marriage. 
The healthy spouse has got, to, has got to get the struggling spouse into a place of help and into, uh, this is your ministry then. And sometimes we view asking for forgiveness as a sign of weakness. Boy, if I have to come and ask for forgiveness, that means I'm weak. You've got to have a change of perspective. And this morning I want to give you a change of perspective on forgiveness. Because I believe that forgiveness is a very healthy part of marriage and it cannot be just one-sided. I believe that forgiveness is a key to a healthy soul, a healthy marriage, especially marriage. Nothing good ever results from being unforgiving. I'm going to say it real slow because you're going to want to tweet it. Nothing good ever results from being unforgiving. Oh, Pastor Don's preaching this morning. You just not amening. No matter how much a person nurses a grudge, it doesn't get better. This doesn't even this does not only apply to marriages. This applies to every relationship you have in life. I just want you to understand: God does not tolerate us being unforgiving. Forgive as Christ forgave. You you have any seed of unforgiveness in any relationship in your life. It will affect every relationship in your life. The seed of unforgiveness can never be contained in the jar, the pot of one relationship. It will always vine out and root down. That wasn't in my notes. That's the Holy Ghost. Listen, because what we all need to do is embrace the fact that God uses all struggles, even difficult marital struggles, for the good of his glory. Have you ever heard this phrase? I got my toes stepped on. Come on, sometimes you walk out of here on Sunday morning and you're like, wow, man, you're just stepping on people's toes today. That's pretty bad. Right? We refer to that in the context that I got challenged or I got pushed or I got... But here's what's even worse when we step on each other's hearts. And that happens in marriage more than toes. Initially, sometimes, but for the most part, it happens unintentionally. But sometimes it happens intentionally. You hurt me, I hurt you. You call me a name, I call you a name. Right? That's what happens. But the best way to walk out forgiveness in your marriage is to avoid the offense in the first place. I I happen to think that uh, The Karate Kid is an incredible discipling movie. The original one. And I, and I often ask the uh, guys in my discipleship class to go and watch it and come back to me and tell me whether Miyagi was a karate instructor or a father. And it represents to us what spiritual fathering looks like in our life and, and what submitting to that looks like in our life even when we don't understand. Miyagi told Daniel, he said, Daniel, son, best way to avoid punch, no be there. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's beneficial. Oh. 
Daniel, just because you can fight doesn't mean you should. Just because you are right doesn't mean you should demand it. Oh. Y'all all going home on Sunday afternoon. We watching. Listen, there's some language in it, and I had forgotten about that. So, it's a great movie. The best way to avoid offense is in the first, not have one in the first place, right? But so that's not possible 100 of the time. But how do we deal with it? It, it? How do we make that more of a reality in our life? How do we lessen? The, the, the impact of, of offenses that we have? Well, I think it's through healthy communication. And, and we talked about that last week, right? That Lisa's shirt, it's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine! When we're wounded, here's the truth. We're le- less likely to communicate productively. This is why forgiveness is so important. If you can't forgive your spouse, you will always speak from a wounded spirit. Y'all going to need to tweet that. If you can't forgive your spouse, you're always going to speak from a wounded spirit. From a spirit of offense. From a spirit that says, man, you offended me. You, 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 you hurt my feelings. And so I, that's the tone I take. That's the attitude I have towards you. You're the wounder. And therefore, I don't trust you. Therefore, I don't have a relationship with you. Because all you're going to do is hurt me. And the truth is, hurt people hurt people. And the cycle of unforgiveness is one wound after another. Grab it. It is so important. It's one wound after another. Forgiveness offers the healing for the wounds that cause us to be bitter with each other. Grace is the centerpiece of a healthy and thriving marriage. Somebody say amen. And I've already preached a sermon on keeping score. If you never heard it, you should. Scorekeeping does not work in marriage because you don't play on the same field and your scoring doesn't equal each other. If I take the garbage out without having to be asked, that's a thousand points in my book. And my wife's scoring, that's one. You get one. You know what I'm saying? Like... Listen, guys, you know that if your wife walks out of a closet and she says, does this dress make me look fat? Any answer you give is a negative 10,000 points. It just doesn't work. My wife did that to me one day. She's like, this dress make me look fat. I don't know what to say. I just turned around and said, does this shirt make me look bald? I just don't, I don't know. Stop scorekeeping. Everyone loses, and here's the deal. I said this then, I'll continue to say it. The moment I start keeping score, I intend for you to lose. And you can ask the guys who play with me on the softball field, I want to win. That's the intent of scorekeeping. Don't do it in marriage. With that said, please hear me. Forgiveness and trust are two different things. I said forgiveness and trust. I'm so so Bible, so good. Watch this. You forgive instantly when your spouse hurts you. But trust is something different, isn't it? You you won't like this statement. You ain't going to like it. But I want you to chew on it. Trust is something that's earned. It's not something you must require. 
But it is something that's earned. Because here's the problem. When you require us to earn trust, you're always allowed to move the goalpost. But trust is earned. It's earned by faithfulness. It's earned by commitment. It's earned by a period of time that proves that my dedication is pure. When you forgive your spouse, you're saying, you hurt me, but I'm going to pursue reconciliation. Come on, church. When Lisa and I think about forgiveness, it's something with no clause. There's no attachments. It's total forgiveness because it's how God forgave us. Right? God always forgives me, so I'm called to do the same with Lisa. Somebody say amen. Come on. If we say we forgive and we hold grudges or we try to retaliate by making our spouse feel ashamed, that's not forgiveness. I was taught as a new believer that when you take communion, everything in the past from communion ceases to be remembered. And that's why we say on Communion Sunday here, no one's forcing you to take communion. We're encouraging you to get right with the Lord. Because once we do this together, hello someone, we have to imitate that. So as husband and wife, if you take communion together, which I encourage you to do, come on somebody. You can't say, but I remember. Come on church. Because communion is relational. It moves us past the past and into the future. Right? God always forgives me. Listen, if we hold grudges, that's not forgiveness. Naked forgiveness has no strings. Naked forgiveness has no covering. Naked forgiveness has not... Come on, someone. It allows us to truly surrender our heart and our anger to God. Remember Colossians. Bearing with one another. If one has a complaint, forgive each other. Come on, someone. So I'm glad you asked this question. I heard you ask it in your mind just there. So how, Pastor Don, how can we practice grace and forgiving in marriage? Well, here we go. Let's start with the definition. Now, this is a PD's definition. You can write your own if you want to. But I think these are, these are very, very important. Now, watch this. Forgiveness is giving up the hope of a different or better yesterday. How can yesterday be better? Nothing I do today can affect yesterday. Everything I do today can affect tomorrow. So forgiveness is surrendering my right to hurt you for hurting me. You got to come to peace about the past. Come on church. No matter what we do or how hard we try, the past cannot be changed. It can only be accepted and forgiven. No matter how we may have been hurt, violated, betrayed, disrespected, abused, or abandoned, we have to give up the hope that the offending past can, uh, can, can somehow be different than it was. My wife, when she shared her testimony, and if you never heard it, you should. 
She shared it. I can share it, right? Every man in her life until we got married had violated her in some way, right? Uh, walking through her teenage life, you know, being gang raped and everything that happened through that, the courts, everything that took place through that, right? Having, having been kicked out of her house because she wouldn't have an abortion at 15 years old. All those things happening to her life. You know what her ultimate message is to you ladies? You can't be bitter and get better. She said, I realized that God, when I was three-year-old, moved me halfway around planet Earth so that 20 years later I could hear the gospel and give my heart and life to Jesus. He moved me from Thailand at three and then took 20 years to pave a road so that one day him and I would run into each other and I would experience complete forgiveness and restoration like I'd never experienced it before. God did that. And if God's got to move planet Earth, church, he will do it what has happened to us has happened to us I'm not trying to make light of your pain I'm trying to bring some reality to it that can never change The only thing that can change is what we do about it and how we live in the present to move forward for the future. As long as we dwell on the things of the past as a husband and wife, we imprison ourselves to unchangeable attitudes that bind us with heavy chains, emotional and physical. I used to say to my wife all the time, I've never done those things to you. I've never raised my voice to her, raised my hand to her. I've never said a a word of profanity towards her. I've never mistreated her in any way. And I would say that to her. I've never done those things. She would always say, but you will. Just give it time. That's a physical and emotional chain. That has to be broken. And the weight of that can only be lifted through forgiveness. See, I want you to understand something this morning, church. Ultimately, forgiveness is a great act of faith. And forgiving our spouse, what you're doing is you're trusting that God is a better justice maker than you are. Forgiving people who had nothing to do with wounding you. Do you know sometimes we hold unforgiveness towards people who didn't wound us, but people they know did? It's, it's, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like my, my wife has a dream. And in her dream, I was unfaithful to her. And she wakes up the next morning and demands that I apologize for what I did. I didn't, I didn't do that. Yes, you did. And she's mad at me for a week because she ate pizza and drank Pepsi before she went to bed one night and had too many jalapenos on it and in her dream. I don't know, but it happens. You can't. You can't hold forgiveness in any direction. I encourage you. I encourage you to begin a practice of forgiveness. 
My wife's curled in a fetal position in our bedroom one night, just wrecked because of we're just wrestling and tickling her, and we're just having fun. She had a flashback of being beaten. When I met my wife, she, had, she was taking medicines for seizures because she just used to get beat so bad. Broken collarbone. I remember having to cut her steak on one of our first dates because her collarbone was broken. And one night, she just freaked out. We're married. We've been married for years. She's curled in a fetal position. And I, I remember going over to her just by the Holy Ghost and sitting down. I've told this story before. Looking her in the eye and saying, I want you to forgive me for every man who's ever hurt you. I, I didn't do any of those things. But in that moment, she looked me in the eye and you know what she said? She didn't say, oh, it's not your fault. Don't worry about it. She looked me in the eye and she said, I forgive you. And in that moment, the Holy Ghost broke that chain. It snapped it. And there was embrace from that night till this, like never before. Trust. It's right there. It's an act of faith. See, by forgiving people, listen, you remove chains. You remove weights that you require other people to live in for things they didn't even do. And, and you, then your spouse the same way. I release my own right to get even and leave all the issues of fairness to God. I leave it in God's hands. His scales of balance of justice and mercy are better than mine. We have, why is it that we always love grace until we have to give it away? We have to trust that forgiveness and God will heal our hurts through forgiveness. He'll restore relationships through forgiveness. Forgiving our spouse doesn't guarantee a change in them. It does guarantee we can begin to grow together and produce what God wants us to produce. It protects us from bitterness. God makes it all possible. What things can we do to help us learn to forgive? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you three suggestions real quick. First of all, it helps remember how much you needed forgiveness. Personally. All of us are sinners. Somebody say amen. We've all offended God. And we've received his amazing grace because of it. All of us have also offended and hurt other people. And we receive forgiveness from them. That's why Paul taught us in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as Christ Forgave you. The proud, the proud find it hard to forgive. And pride causes us to think more highly of ourselves than we should. Pride causes us to think less of others than we should. Ooh. And so holding on to an offense? Come on, church. It gives us a sense of moral superiority over others. It distracts us from looking at our own hearts and our own lives. Oh, Pastor Don's preaching this morning. Let me tell you who your real enemy is, not your spouse. I've said this before and I'll continue to say it. Anything that makes me an enemy of my wife, I will kill it. Gentlemen, I have this motto, right? And, and I want you to grab a hold of it. We should love God passionately. We should lead our children and our wives gently. And we should kill anything that comes against the first two. 
That's on you, gentlemen. The Bible says that the violent, come on, the kingdom of God suffereth violent, but the violent take it by force. Anything that makes me an enemy of my wife, I will slay it. Spiritually. Come on, the demonic attacks, go after it. The sword of the spirit, financially, emotionally, whatever it is. Come on, gentlemen, you have to step up and say, I will not be her enemy. I will not be her enemy. I will be a man she can follow with her head held high. Not because I'm perfect, but because she knows I'm willing to be perfected. That, it's the truth. Our real enemy is not our spouse, even if they've injured us. It's the evil one who's working on our flesh. And unforgiveness is a work of the flesh. We need to realize that being unforgiving is a sin. And that sin is just as ugly in God's sight as the sins that Jesus had to die for. We win the victory by becoming grace-filled spouses. When we're generous with forgiveness and we're able to see the beams in our own eye. And those spouses who, who refuse to recognize their own failures are struggling. They're struggling to tolerate, to understand, and to forgive failures of their other spouse. I'm telling you, that's on you. That's on you. Second, it helps to understand where the offender's coming from. I could have used the excuse in my wife that I've never done those things to you. So therefore, I don't need to change. You need to change. You've got to see beyond the offense to understand that something's going on inside of your spouse that God may have ordained you to bring healing to. Your spouse might be someone who's been offended or wounded greatly by other people. And inside of that adult body is often a scarred person who's not yet recovered from their, their abuse and their neglect and their wound. Jesus hung on the cross and he said what? Father, forgive them. Putting ourselves in, in, in our spouse's shoes every once in a while often helps us realize the actions that are beyond our control. Third, it helps to realize that extending forgiveness is what's best for the both of you. I mean, you, come on, you've heard this before. Bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping your enemy dies. Buddy Hackett, y'all know who Buddy Hackett is? Come on, raise your hand if you know who Buddy Hackett is. Some of y'all, you, yeah. Buddy Hackett, hilarious. He said this one day, I'll never forget this. He said, I've had a few arguments with people, but I never carry a grudge. You know why? Because while I'm carrying a grudge, they're out dancing. In the end, when we don't forgive others, we're actually hurting ourselves. All right. Let's, let's, get this, let's get this closed because I think we want to do some business. Let me clarify what forgiveness is by sharing some things that it is not. Forgiveness is not pretending that it never happened. You know what that's called? Repression. And it, you repress stuff long enough, you're going to be in one of Doug and Nancy's prayer sessions which may take eight hours. 
Listen, you, you have no idea the ministry they have in prayer ministry and deliverance. And some of you have experienced it. They don't play no games. We're going to dig it out. Because repression is not of the Lord. It's not of the Lord. We can truly forgive, or we can't truly forgive until we accept what really happened. Okay, forgiveness is not excusing what the other person did. Listen, what they did to us is not okay. You don't have to make an up excuse for them. My wife said to me, that's not allowed. That's not okay. We don't have to approve of sinful behavior in order to forgive it. Forgiveness is not, reconcil- uh, is not reconciliation. Forgiveness takes one person. Reconciliation takes two. You don't even have to wait till they ask for forgiveness to forgive them. That's not the requirement. Oh, they haven't asked for forgiveness. Before, or the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ Okay, he didn't wait for you to ask. And forgiveness isn't about giving up on justice and change. Forgiving doesn't mean that there are no consequences. It It doesn't mean that there isn't an expectation of change. When we forgive, we're actually getting out of the way of God's perfect transforming power. And finally, forgiveness isn't about forgetting. There's a difference between remembering, come on church, which we can't control, and rehearsing. Come on, you know sometimes you're having an argument with your spouse in your head and you're winning. They ain't even around. They don't have an, even an idea that you two are arguing. Did you, ever under, did you ever realize that every argument you have in your head with your spouse, you win? Stop rehearsing that mess. It's like a soap opera. The ironic thing about soap operas is they never get clean. Y'all get that later. You get the soap dirty. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love keeps no record of wrong. Mm. We have to choose between keeping a list of wrongs and having a good marriage. I said we have to choose between keeping a list of wrongs. You can't do it and have a good marriage. You cannot do it. The good news is is that once we stop rehearsing that list of wrongs against our spouse, our bad memories begin to fade. And let me bless you. The longer you live, the easier it is for memories to fade. (laughs) When we nurse grudges against our spouses... Bitter memories will eat away at your marriage. Lastly, how do we begin to forgive? First, decide. Forgiveness is a choice and a decision. And it's an everyday choice. The second step is pray for God's help. Help me, Jesus. Give me the ability to do what I cannot In my own strength. Forgiveness. Remember forgiveness is an act of faith. Give me the ability to do what I can't. It's an act of faith. And the last step is to act with grace and love. 
It's so easy to act differently. Come on, I get it. Because your marriage relationship is the most intense relationship you got. Somebody say amen. For the good or for the bad. Treat your spouse as you want to be treated. I want you to know this for sure. The powers of darkness seek to destroy us and seek to destroy our marriages. That's why I do a marriage sermon series every year. Because I realize you are under demonic assault. And I realize that some of us, beyond our control, have experienced the brokenness of divorce. Some of us live in a day where we be judged, especially in the church, because we've had a broken marriage. And I want to be very careful I want to be very careful with people. It's very easy to be non-empathetic when you haven't had to walk in those shoes. It's very easy to be judgmental when you don't know all the details. But I would say to you that as the people of God, it's just as easy to say that's God's business. Mine is to love. And embrace one another. I'm not talking about willful sin. We always call out willful sin. But the last thing Satan wants us to do is to forgive. And the sun sets and we nurse our anger and bitterness and resentment towards our spouse. The devil just smiles. And unforgiveness opens the door for him to hold us back and bring destruction into our lives. You watch and listen to what Pastor Don tells you. God gave Satan the authority to dwell in darkness. His authority to dwell in darkness is given to him by God Almighty. And wherever there is darkness, Satan has the authority to dwell. He does. And unforgiveness can be a room of darkness in our life. And then Satan has a legal foothold inside of a possession that belongs to God. And the battle is on. Because he wants territory. And I say all the time, God, I want no shadow in my life. I don't have time to preach all that today. When we forgive, you know what we're doing? We're acting like our Heavenly Father. Let me tell you a story. Um, near the end of his life, Irving Stone's powerful novel titled uh, Love is Eternal. He, he was, he's writing this book. And uh, he records a conversation between Mary Lincoln, the wife of President Abraham Lincoln, who you may have heard a little bit about lately. Careful about history that's revised. He wasn't my president. I'm from the South. We had our own president. I don't, it's not my fault that you didn't recognize it. It's not my fault. Y'all get that later. But the one thing you respect about President Lincoln is that every time a southern city failed, President Lincoln came to that city without security, set up office, and met with the southern people of that city to say, how can I help you rebuild what God has given us together? He did. 
careful about recidivism in history. Mary Lincoln, the wife of President Lincoln, had a conversation with the president's bodyguard. His name was Parker. Parker was his bodyguard the night he was assassinated. And she said to him, why were you not at the door to keep an assassin out? With his head bowed, Parker replied to her. He said, ma'am, I have bitterly repented of that. But I did not believe that anyone would try to kill such a good man. That belief made me careless. I was attracted by the play. I did not see the assassin enter the box. Miss Lincoln said to him, you should have seen him. You had no business being careless. And with that, she fell on her pillow and covered her face with her hands. And with deep emotion, she said, go now. It is not you I can't forgive. It's the assassin. Then Tad, the president's son, who had spent that miserable night beneath his father's desk, said to his mother, Mom, if Pa had lived, he would have forgiven the man who shot him. Because Pa forgave everybody. Our Pa, our heavenly father, is a forgiving father. And I want to be like him. How about you? Come on, church. W.A. Ward wrote this. We are most like beasts when we kill. We are most like men when we judge. And we are most like God when we forgive. I say to you, husband or wife, there are times in your marriage when your spouse needs you to be most like God. Marriages that are full of grace... And are filled with blessing. Our marriages that God is molding. I pray that God would help us be more like him in every way. Especially in the ability as a husband and wife to forgive each other. And I will say this to you because I have seen it. And I have people in this room who will testify to it. That there is nothing that has happened in marriage. That cannot be fixed by the healing hand of God and his forgiveness. There is nothing. May God help us be receivers and givers of forgiveness. Especially in our marriage. Josh Barron's brought a scripture to us as elders before. The sermon and we prayed it also as Atticus stood in for Caden. And the scripture is clear. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Turn from their wicked ways. I'll heal their land. This morning I'm talking about the land of your marriage. And I know there's not a person in here who doesn't want that healed completely. Hello somebody. And this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity for a few minutes. For a few minutes. That if forgiveness is an act of faith, so is stepping out and coming to the altar and saying, God, help us.
Come on, church. Will you stand with me in this place? And so I want to give you a moment. Maybe as husband and wife, you don't necessarily have to have someone pray, but as an act of faith. I don't, I don't know if your marriage isn't perfect, if it's struggling right now, this might be awkward to you as an act of faith. You can come to this altar together and say, God, together, we're going to trust you to teach us how to forgive one another. I'm going to encourage you to do that. Just step out. Let's pray. Every eye closed, every head bowed. This is not a form of judgment. Maybe your marriage is good, but you still want to be better in this area. God will honor that. So the altar is open as we pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before a throne of grace and mercy. And we say, Lord, it's tough. It's tough, Jesus. It's tough to let go. It's tough, Jesus, to admit who we are and what we've been through. It's tough, Jesus, to stand before a throne of grace and mercy and believe when we've been hurt so many times over and over and over again. It's tough, Jesus, to believe that anything can change. But Lord, we know that on Calvary over 2,000 years ago, you came and demonstrated that you had the answer for that tough question. That once and for all, forgiveness would be established. And that no longer would it be found in the blood of goats and rams and sheeps. God, but it's found in the blood of your son Jesus Christ. And that blood that flowed then is still flowing today to wash us and forgive us God. And make us clean God. To give us a new day even as husband and wife. God, I pray right now against the demonic stronghold, the demonic stronghold of unforgiveness in our lives. I pray against it right now in Jesus' name. And by the authority of the finished work of the cross of Calvary, I take the word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, and I break every chain in Jesus' name. I break every chain in Jesus' name. What's done is done, including the ultimate forgiveness. It's done. It's finished. It's complete. And God, let your blood wash over our marriages. God, let your blood wash over our husbands right now in Jesus' name. Let it cleanse us from our failures. Let it cleanse us from our our wimpiness. Let it cleanse us from our lack of leadership, God. Let it cleanse us from our ability to be an ogre under a bridge. And let it make us new men. New men worthy of the calling of being a husband. Worthy of the calling of being a father. Worthy of that calling, God. God, I pray for our wives right now in the name of Jesus. God, some of our ladies, God, most of our ladies experience God great wound great hurt at the hands of others Lord wounds that are unspeakable wounds that are unthinkable God and they carry the weight of those wounds the scars but in this morning in this moment through this message through this word God you are healing what can be healed God you're removing scars God you're breaking chains on their lives God you are bringing them to a freshness and a newness God you are bringing them to the place to where you look them in the eye and you call them highly favored chosen of the Lord and maiden of God. What's done is done. It's finished. And Lord, we give up our right 
for a hope of a better yesterday because God you have made today a great day you have made today a great day with your presence you have made today a great day because of your word you have made a great day today because of our marriages God and Lord I pray that we hear the testimonies God of what forgiveness does inside a marriage husbands and wives looking to one another loving one another God embracing one another because of the power of forgiveness no longer will Satan have a stronghold in our marriages because of forgiveness we pray it right now in Jesus name and I'm going to encourage you right now just just kind of hit me by the Holy Spirit maybe you are a person who has experienced the brokenness of divorce and, and, and you sit here this morning a single person bitter because of what happened to you it's not fair that they did that to you maybe you want to come this morning too and just say God I want to be removed of that forgiveness God or unforgiveness I want to be removed of that God I want you to break that assignment you're welcome to come too no one's going to judge you this morning right now God wants to break you of unforgiveness maybe in relationships that you've held on to a stronghold that's allowed you to continue to be bitter towards people who had nothing to do with your wound maybe you want to release that this morning I encourage you I encourage you to come I say to you this morning that if there was a disease, an incurable disease that was running this earth and someone had the cure, you wouldn't leave the room until you took it. And that's the cure for unforgiveness today. Jesus, Jesus has the cure this morning. It's his blood. It's his blood. And what he forgives, he forgives totally. Don't leave today not changed for the glory of the Lord. Don't leave today not changed for the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our voice in worship. I'm not what you've made. I am who you have made me to be. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm not what I've done. I am loved unconditionally. Come on, come on, sing it by faith. Sing it by faith. I'm not loved by the measure of love that I bring. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. I'm not who I know. I'm known by the King of all kings. Yeah, yeah. Come on, let's sing it. Jesus, you are enough. Jesus. You are enough for me With nothing I still have everything Jesus, you are enough for me You are maker made visible Holding the world in your hands Church, lift your hands to the Lord this morning. You Just are receive patient and merciful, you. giver of grace without end. Yes, Satisfied simply by being who you've always been. You are infinite love, and you prove it again and again. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your voice. Is he enough?
some homework for you you may think it's not necessary but I'm encouraging you as husband and wife to work through this I appreciate the emails and the text messages I'm getting during the week talking about how good they are and and how you're working some of the answers you're working through and some of the questions that you're having that you still need to work through it's great that's the point and I need you to understand as an eldership team we're not just preaching sermons just to by the time of a particular sermon, we're trying to walk somewhere. And so if, if you need these notes, if you don't have the church app uh, to get these notes, you see us, we'll make them available to you. Uh, as, as pastor, I always make my sermon notes available. And, uh, but in particular, this homework. Use this this week. Do it individually. Find a time to come together and walk through it. Amen? If you don't have the answers, don't make them up. Just say, here's where we're at. This is the thing we need to work on. And, and how do we do that? And the homework's designed to give you a game plan to move forward. And so we, we take a lot of time to put this together uh, to be on purpose about it. Amen? And with that, next week is our last sermon in our sermon series. And it is just that, on purpose. Right? I still do. Amen? 
I still do. And, and I want you to pray for us all. Amen. As we move into that particular message, to, that God will just put the seal of the Holy Spirit on all of these messages. Amen. And, and so um, uh, I look forward to hearing the good news. Amen. Uh, of these things. And uh, uh, a believing in faith that God will do what only God can do. Amen. And so let's pray. Let's just pray right here as we close. Father, you're so good to us. Thank you today for such a great day full of faith in every way. We take this message, God, and sit it with your Holy Spirit. Water it, God. Let it grow in our hearts and lives. God, I pray that even this week, God, as husbands and wives continue to move through this message in their devotion time, that Jesus, you'll bring them to that point and let them find freedom, God. Freedom. We pray it in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Be blessed. God bless you. Thanks for coming today. Make sure you speak to uh, Atticus and, and his family.